Mm-hmm. Uh, is this uh, is this tour still going on? This Def Leppard, Motley Crue, Poison, and Joan Jett get together? They just wrapped it up last week. Uh, this is a really interesting story I read uh, from a from a guy in the business that that we work with. Um, Radio about seeing the band, and as I'm reading this, it occurs to me that since the pandemic. Um, Radio stations, we don't do a lot of backstage pass give, giving away anymore. Well, there is they there is none of that. Pretty much, there that most bands who can have canceled all of that type of stuff because they don't want to catch anything that could prevent them from continuing their tour. Correct, makes total sense, right? So this guy though, uh has a great backstage story about Def Leppard and they did not come from a radio station. This is just the coolest story about, uh, he says, was it a paid VIP experience? Nope. This is before VIP experiences became a thing. He says, this is about 15 years ago or so. Okay. I am a huge Def Leppard fan, and I wanted backstage passes. The radio station I was working at at the time uh, was not the sponsor of the tour and the tour stop in in his particular city. So he could not get any kind of passes or anything because they were the radio station that got shut out of the concert. We're welcoming Def Leppard because we're cool. The other guys, they don't rock. They suck. They're not cool. That's why you tune into the wolf. So, yeah. so he is a huge fan, and he had tickets to see them, but he wanted to go backstage. So since it was sponsored by their main competition, the wolf, <laughs> or whatever particular station animal it was. We're howling mad. Could have been the rock monkey. I don't know. It was something, right? I told you, we're the wolf. That's why I talk like this. We don't <laughs> monkey around. You know why? Because the monkey, they don't get you to see the leopard. No, they don't. The wolf gets the leopard. I don't understand any of that. But so far... Get to the zoo and look it up, you douche. None of this is happening when this it story... <laughs> Okay, so he couldn't get backstage. Hold on there, Jungle Book. Let me get back to to the story. (laughs) So he said, I pulled a Hail Mary, and I called the record company that Def Leppard was currently uh, recording for at the time. They were called Hollywood Records. I thought, I'm just going to call them, and I'm going to see what I can get. I called up. I got put on hold immediately. I got transferred to one particular secretary who told me that they didn't deal with Def Leppard, and if I could hang on, she would try to find the people who are involved with Def Leppard's contract. I waited again. I got put on hold again. I waited again. This happened for about 40 minutes until a guy picked up the phone And told me he was the vice president of the record company. He obviously picked up the phone by accident, clearly annoyed at whoever had transferred me out to him. 
But like any good businessman dealing with a customer, he asked if there was anything he could do to help. Wow. I told him my long sob story about how I loved the band and I had never seen them and I was getting ready to go go to their show in the town that I lived in. And if there was any chance I could get any passes backstage from the record company. He listened to my story politely and he gave me the only pair of backstage passes that were available for that show. My now ex-wife and I spent 20 minutes with the band in the VIP room afterwards I got Joe Elliott to call my sister-in-law to say hi. (laughs) It was a life-changing experience for me. And I'm reading this, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, we we get emails all the time when bands come to town. You know, there's a sick kid, or there's a a big fan, or there's an anniversary, or there's something. And some bands are more willing to work with their audiences than other bands are but if you've done what we do for a living for a long enough amount of time you sort of get jaded okay Mm. and what i love about this guy's story is he he decided to not be jaded he decided to just ask and continue to ask at a different place than he had normally gone to and so this guy ends up getting to go backstage. The only guy who gets to go backstage for this show, courtesy of the record company. I would never have thought to call a record company, but now I see this and I'm like, okay, that makes sense. The record company has access to the band in a way that the tour manager might not. The tour manager, the road guy, they're, all of those people who surround a band while they are on tour Their job is, and as dumb as it seems, because you're on tour playing for a multitude of people, their job is to keep those people away from their band. Every single single person you meet on a tour, their job is to keep you one person away from the band at all times. Their job is to distribute the word no. Yep. They are a human stop sign. And and so this, this story that I just read about this guy's experience reminded me that sometimes you just have to continue to ask around until you find the person who doesn't say no. That's what this guy did. And he had a great experience because of it. And, and, I, and I know that right now they're not doing a lot of or any backstage stuff at the moment. Most bands aren't. Um, but I wonder if there's anybody listening who has an experience that's kind of like this, you know, because radio stations, uh, when they give away concert tickets and backstage passes. So what do you mean? You like they snuck backstage well, or well, just you got backstage somehow that wasn't a radio station giveaway. Okay. Because I didn't even you really... bought your way back. You could buy it. You could have bought your way back. This guy just asked the record company and got, you know... Because even those VIP experiences that you buy, those don't really put you in touch with the band. If you read closely, it says 
there's no guarantee that you'll meet the band. Mm-hmm. But, geez, I just gave you $500. Yeah. And I got a guitar pick. For a <laughs> VIP experience, what you end up with is really not that yeah. VIP. Correct. I understand. And at me, as the job whose job it is to tell you no, if you look closely, the I in important is lowercase. Not capitalized. You're not that important. I Earlier got, this week, yep. Aerosmith posted on social media that their VIP experiences are back. And, and they showed a couple photos. And what they're doing now, the the people that have bought these VIP experiences, they're standing about four or five feet in front of Steven Tyler and Joe Perry. And so there's the photo. The guys are leaning in so they appear a little bit closer to the yep. person who has the VIP. But you can tell there's there's four or five feet between them. How grade school is that? It's like you stayed away from the kid who had cooties. That's not a VIP experience. That's I don't want to catch cootie experience. Yeah. And it's not what you so, think of when you shell out that extra cash. I can't think of any other way to get backstage, though. When I, I don't understand. Flash your boobies? <laughs> So and I, I know the question's weird and and the reason I ask it is because they're not we're not going to have a lot of response but I think the question the the responses we get will be worth hearing. Um, when I was a when I was a young when I was a young club DJ, uh, I went to go see Phil Collins uh, at I, I think it was Poplar Creek or maybe Alpine Valley. It was one of these outdoor music venues up near Chicago. Yeah. And I, I got to tag along with um, a radio station group that was, they weren't getting backstage passes. They were just part of a ticket giveaway that got to go to the show. And the guy I was with knew one of the guys at Alpine Valley who did security. And the reason it was cool to get to know this guy is because he got a great parking pass. So he didn't have to park in with the multitudes of people. We got to drive like right up to where the gate is. Yeah. And we got to park. I mean, we drove past all the people telling you, you know, waving their flashlights at you. No, no, you can't go. You can't go. And we just we got to drive all the way up. To a place that I had never seen before in the back of Alpine Valley where all the trucks roll in. And we just parked right there. And uh, I like that atmosphere. It's just kind of cool because you know you don't really belong there. Right. Yeah. And, and, I, and this was probably one of my first ever backstage experiences. So I'm just, a, I'm just a kid. I don't know anything about anything. I'm not even really in radio at the time. I'm just a club DJ. But I'm with this other guy who worked at a radio station and was also a club DJ, and he was this coolest guy. And we pull up, and so we get out of the car, and he goes and he hugs his, his big security buddy who's like this big Italian dude. This guy's – they're all Italian guys. There's snaggle teeth, necklaces everywhere. And uh, <laughs> the guy's like, yep, right there. That's a car Phil Collins showed up in not 20 minutes ago. That's what okay. he said. And I'm looking, and that was my first experience in seeing a car that wasn't a limo. It was just a – it was like a, a van – and it was like a passenger van, but the windows were blacked out. And it wasn't like this. It didn't look like some big convoy type vehicle. It was just like a, a Chevy van with black windows. And that's the vehicle that Phil Collins got driven from the airport to Alpine Valley. in. And so we go in back in the back door. We go in the load in door. 
and there's all these people and they're and I'm looking around and every one of those people, their job was to say no. Like Michael said, every one of those people, they all got a hundred different passes around their neck. They all got different stuff. They got walkie talkies. They're all doing this stuff. And all of their, every one of their jobs is to stop somebody from getting past them toward the band. And so I'm really intimidated and I'm watching my buddy Dominic and he's just going through and he's with the security guy and I'm just tagging along behind. And he's like, Oh, you want to go to the hospitality room? Uh, yeah he so in we go to the hospitality room and we're sitting there it's it's me dominic this security guy and an empty room on one side of which is a complete buffet it's a complete buffet and now i don't know if it was the band's buffet uh the band's hospitality room maybe it was a crew or something i don't know Mm -hmm. but i did see that all of the pretzels were these anheuser-busch pretzels they were shaped like the ab logo yeah. <laughs> so it could have just been an Anheuser-Busch uh, hospitality room for their big wigs. I don't know, but nobody was in it. And so so I'm like, can I can I grab a beer? And the guy's like, yeah, sure, go ahead, grab a beer. So here I am drinking uh, Michelob, uh, you know, in the brown bottles and the old Michelob things. And he and I are just sitting there, and uh, we're just eating pretzels, drinking Michelob in this hospitality room. I had no idea why we were there. And then it's like, okay, well, it's time to go out and see the band. So we leave the hospitality room, which is too bad because it was all free. And we walk out into the hallway. There's Phil Collins. What do you say to him? I didn't say anything to him. I didn't say anything to him. Security Gotta try guy, these pretzels, man. They're awesome. Security guy says, Phil, this is my friend Dominic. Dominic shakes his hand, but I'm like... I'm invisible because I'm not his buddy. And I'm watching this take place in the hallway of the venue before. And he's like got his suit on. He's got like his stage clothes on. He's getting ready to go up onto the stage. And he stops to meet us. Not really me. I shook his hand. But I mean, and it was uh, it was like this incredible moment it wasn't like a bunch of radio station people getting you know okay stop take your picture it was just it was really i think that was cool about it it was like such a such a glimpse into the backstage world as to how all this stuff happens and all the people that are in charge of it and you just if you are the right person there are no doors closed to you Dear dorks, I know of this room that Dwyer is speaking of. My brother was a lighting tech for the Dave Matthews Band for over 10 years. I've been in that room. And it actually is the hospitality room that you were in for the band. So you were eating Phil Collins' pretzels. I'm with the band. I'm I'm with the band. Oh, right, right this way, sir, young man. It, it was so cool, man. I sat down with my brother and the fiddle player from the Dave Matthews Band ate at that buffet when I was there. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. Um, well, there you, there you go. So, who else has seen... I think we heard from them. I, I just, you and yeah. Kevin. That's it. No one lives your your life, well, man. I mean, it was t- thirty five years ago. So I mean, it was a long time ago. But uh, I just, you know, you see people backstage when we've hosted people backstage. We see other people 
We just don't know where they come from. We just we're focused on whatever we're so doing. So like you're the fan club or something like that? Yeah. How do you get I, back I mean, there? I don't know. That's why I'm that's why I'm curious to find out. This guy got back to see Def Leppard just because he called he called the record company and accidentally got transferred to the guy who could say yes and did and did say yes. It's pretty it's such a one in a million kind of a thing. Yeah, I, I mean, you rode on the same flight with, uh, with Joe Elliott, Def Leppard guy, yeah, and Joe Elliott, and and didn't get to hang out with him, and he certainly didn't call my sister in law. Mm. Here's um, um, Lacey with an interesting story. Just kind of the thing is, how did you get back? How did you meet musicians, artists, famous people? We don't care who you met. How did you do it? What's it, yeah, the method? Even if uh, yeah, just an unconventional way, I guess. Dorch in my twenties. Uh, my cousin played for the 49ers. I got to go into the locker room at Soldier Field. I was in the players' room. I got to go to the hotel room with the 49ers. I saw their playbook, which was pretty cool, and I don't think I appreciated it then. Speaking of which, I'm pretty sure I saw Reggie Bush uh, in his underwear and a tank top. Today, I would have been a screaming fan mom. But at the time, at the time, it was sort of lost on me. <laughs> Here's the 49ers playbook. Oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah, but, but is that Reggie Bush's junk over there? <laughs> Sorry. Oh, oh, look at the sign. Oh, is that great? Yeah, it's a lot, you know, it looks a lot bigger on TV. <laughs> uh, all right, let's go to John. Here Good we morning. Go. Hey, go ahead, John. Good morning, guys. Well, uh, Bill, Bill Michaels and I experienced a moment together back uh, probably 30 years ago almost at the Mississippi Valley Fairgrounds backstage behind the Sticks concert when they, uh, the new drummer uh, was playing with my I think, oh, one of the first couple gigs. Yeah, Todd Zuckerman. Yeah. Uh, okay. Do you remember uh, that? I absolutely <laughs> remember. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't remember you, but I, because I... Uh, that kid is, he took the place of, uh, is it John Panazzo? And yeah. I know a little bit about him. He's from the Chicago area, and he was a fan of the band. Right, but enough of that. Tell, tell, tell me about do, how. Do you, he, remember, do you remember how many sticks he kept breaking and throwing down and just didn't miss a beat at all? No. Specifically, I don't remember that, but I I do remember. Yeah, we stood behind. That was you, okay? Yeah. So okay. And then they came down and stood around the stairs uh, before they came out and did an encore. And uh, but I got a pass uh, just by chance. A Pepsi guy that I knew uh, had a lemonade pass, and he was getting ready to leave. Was you want this pass? Go backstage. Said, sure. So did he hand you like a? a like a crate of Pepsi. Yeah, you gotta right. carry this. Act like you like you belong there, man. Just just take the pop and just shut up, and then you can do whatever you want once you get back there. I had to carry it into the bus for him. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, yeah. That's funny. All right, all right. He just uh, get ready to leave, and uh, he wasn't interested in seeing Stick, so I said, "Sure, I'll take it." All right, and and was I a douchebag to you? Probably. No, you were. Uh, uh, mouth gaping, watching the drummer the whole time. Yeah, it's not, that sounds right, like that Michaels. sounds like Michaels. Yeah, That's how I know right. you're telling the truth. <laughs> Thanks, John. <laughs> All right, right. Thanks, the man. Kid was, the guy was, 
You guys have a great weekend. All right. Thanks for the I call. i got to go. My truck's on fire. All right. Sorry appreciate about that. it. Bye. Bye. Uh, dear dorks, ZZ Top, coolest guys ever. I was working at a cash as a cashier at a truck stop. Their tour bus came through. I wasn't even old enough to drive, but I dared to knock on the bus door. Oh. <laughs> Hello. They opened the bus door. Sure enough, it's ZZ Top. They signed autographs and they gave me two passes to the show that night. Wow. And at the show, I swear they seemed to remember me. And they came over to meet my mom. Uh, hey, kid. Uh, That's, uh, you got I a, remember you. You got a cute mom. Yeah, I remember <laughs> you. You're the one who likes the tour bus, right? Well, there's the crew bus. Why yeah. don't you go over there? I want to show your, your, your mom. <laughs> the Z, we call this the ZZ Top Bunk. The Top Bunk. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> Are any of these uh, calls that I should take? Okay. Line two. Uh, Diane. Good morning. All right. So you got backstage in an unconventional way. You didn't have to use some dopey DJ to drag you back. You, what did you do? How did you get backstage? Well, it was the very first Alice Cooper Christmas pudding in 2001. Okay. We had tickets to go to the show. There was four of us. So we decided to dress up in jeans white t-shirts and black leather jackets. So we're standing at the door before the concert, waiting for the door to open. This guy comes around the corner and he says, you're at the wrong door. What? And so we followed him and it was actually the uh, pre-show celebration. Uh, Peter Frampton was one of the guests. John O'Hurley was the Amancy. So here we are, we're in there with Alice Cooper and, Everybody else enjoying their uh, food and and walking around rubbing elbows with everybody and we didn't have any credentials on us. Everybody else had something, but we didn't. Nobody said anything. So it was just somebody trying to be nice, helping you get to where you were supposed to be. Um, I guess so. <laughs> uh, how tight were the t-shirts that you guys were wearing? Is that is that part of it? Because I don't care. It's fine. You, you, you do what you got to do, but that's fine. Um, so did you intend to hang out by the wrong door? Or did you seriously just... No. No, we were just by the door waiting for the, the general public to be let into the venue. And do you think it's because you got leather jackets on? They're like, oh, these are the uh, hired girls part of the stage act. Well, it wasn't even girls. It was myself, my sons, and another person. <laughs> so but they, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. And we had met Alice Cooper several times, so he but, he kind of knew my son. But this was he just by accident. Said, Hello, welcome to the party. Have fun. Wow. All right. Well, that and I could see Cooper doing that. You know. He doesn't question if you're if you're back here, you belong here. So I'm not going to go, hey, I don't know you because he probably doesn't know anybody other than his band and his crew. All right. Diane, thank you for the call. Have a good day. Um, This is an interesting story. Dear Dork. I'm not. Oh, can I can I listen to? Well, I don't know if it was you or me. It's anyway, it's one of us. Uh, My wife and I went to see Theory of a Dead Man uh, in the District of Rock Island after the show. We're just headed back to our room, and we get on the elevator. Just before the doors close, this short little guy comes running through the doors, 
and instantly starts pushing the door's close button. The guy was completely soaked in sweat. I had maybe had a few drinks, so as the elevator starts going up, I look over at the guy and I say, what have you been doing that you're sweating so much? The guy looks at me and he says, I just got drum, uh, just got done playing drums. Me, being a drummer, said, what do you mean playing drums? He replied, I'm the drummer for Theory of a Dead Man. I kind of chuckled and I'm like, yeah, right. And he just kind of shrugged his shoulders. Then the elevator door dinged and the doors opened. And there stood the rest of the band with their manager waiting for the elevator. Sure as S, we rode the elevator with Joey Dandenau. We had no idea it was him. The guys were super cool. They hung out with us in the hallway and drank beer with us for an hour or so. (laughs) Then we retired to our room and they to theirs. What an awesome night. Something that probably will never happen again. (sighs) Hey, hold that door. Hold that door. Wow. Why are you all sweaty? I just got done playing the drums. Is that what it was? Yep. Playing the drums? (laughs) Well, and how did he get separated from the band? And is it something like he's running away from fans? I, mean, I don't picture their fans to be like that. Are you that guy who doesn't want to work? You want to bang the drums all day? <laughs> I've heard of you. I've heard of oh, you. Oh, no, you're from Theory of a Dead Man. All right. <laughs> um, listen to this one. Missy. Yeah. All right, go ahead. You got backstage in an unconventional way, and this is probably the strangest (laughs) one that we've heard so far. This was so weird. It was back in the late 80s. Kiss was playing at Palmer College, which will tell you how long ago this was. But um, I was on the front row, and I was getting kind of smashed against those metal barricades. Yeah. And I passed out from being smashed. So they drug me under the barricade and took me to the side of the stage. And there was this huge like makeup mirror type of thing where the guys were coming off stage and doing their hair and whatever they do. <laughs> and I got to meet Gene Simmons and Bruce Kulick and they gave me like guitar <laughs> picks and their wristbands. So they're like in <laughs> makeup and they like come 13. over to, to check on the girl who, who was getting crushed. Uh. Right. Right. I was Are you maybe okay? in the seventh or eighth grade. <laughs> wow. So, been there in the first place. Yeah. So you get crushed and passed out at a kiss show. Did it, I f- assume they would take you to like a triage somewhere, no. but it turns out you go straight to their makeup table. Right to the makeup table. <laughs> no, they didn't. They literally drugged me. My brother was in the audience and they literally drug me to the side of the stage and just kind of. I remember waking up and people being there, but I, I don't remember, like, medical people. <laughs> but you come out of being passed out, and it's the guy who's all face-painted with does the devil, Go and it's, it's Gene Simmons. Whoa. Right. You that's want awesome. the best. You got the best. All right. Thank, that's awesome. Thank you for the call, Missy. You're welcome. All right. Have a good day. Um, let's go. Here's one more. Let's try uh, Kirk. You got backstage in an unconventional way. Tell everybody how. Um, it was Poison Concert at the fairgrounds, however many years ago that was. Mm-hmm. I, I was working at O'Reilly's across the street. The bus pulls in, uh, whatever, and then this gentleman walks through the door and turns out to be C.C. DeVille's guitar tech. So wait, they pull into an auto parts joint and they say, "Cece, go get us. Uh, we we need some forty weight oil. For- <laughs> oh, the- we need a fan belt, man." They, they pulled into the fairgrounds. Y- yeah, but you said you and were at O'Reilly's. Right, Cece Deville's lead guitar tech, whatever. 
walked across the street. He was looking for a flashlight, a small flashlight to work on one of his guitars, is what he told me. Mm -hmm. I thought this guy was smoking crack. (laughs) And he told me... I hear that a lot, man. I'm C.C. DeVille's guitar tech. Uh I feel like I've been smoking crack. (laughs) (laughs) So... I don't know what this what thinkers say, so he tells me, hey, uh, you're a pretty cool dude. Well, you going to the concert? And I'm like, yeah, if I can find a fun pass. And I'm like, he's like, well, if you do, just come around backstage and tell him Tom, just, just tell him Tom White, that was the guy's name. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so I did that. And I get back there. Ricky Rocket is in the tent with all the other people with backstage passes. I didn't have a pass. They had to go find me one. And do they say, oh, man, you're Kirk. This is the best flashlight we've ever had, man. Where did you get these? I know. <laughs> I know this is right? flashlight guy. Bro, look at You helped fix my guitar. I, I wish. Uh, C.C. DeVille actually put a, I found out that he wears a wig. and <laughs> Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You're ruining it now. <laughs> so basically, the way to tell this story is, you remember how your dad, you would be dad's helper when he would work on the car? Here, hold the flashlight, man, right here. Right here where I'm working. You were basically that guy for C.C. Mm-hmm. DeVille's guitar tech. Yes. Um, when he came into the store and needed a flashlight, um, is see if I have the experience down right. He walks in. He's like, yeah, I need a small flashlight. You immediately ask him what model and year of car he has, and you're sitting there at the terminal, and you type it in. <laughs> and he says... I asked him if he had wiper blades. Right. He's like, all I need is a flashlight. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get to you in a minute. What kind of car did you come in in? Uh, your rewards yeah. member. Right. <laughs> all right, brother. That's awesome. Great story. Thank you for calling. All right. Thank you. Uh, Dear Dorks, I was a VIP concierge at the Adler for a while. This is way back. Black Crows came through. I was, quote, working the VIP area at that concert. Long story short, I ended up at the Black Crows bus with a bottle of vodka and smoked part of a hooter with Chris Robinson. What a night. Far out, man. P.S. Back then, the Adler Theater was the easiest venue to sneak into. Do you want his trick? Uh, yes, I do. He said the Adler was the easiest venue to sneak into. All you had to do was walk around with a clipboard and some envelopes. And if anybody asked you anything, you just said, I'm with payroll for the band. (laughs) That's genius. I mean, isn't it right? That trumps the thing that we used to say, the easiest way to get backstage at a concert. All you had to do was carry, go to the grocery store, get yourself some hamburger buns and a bread rack. Yep. <laughs> Put on some sunglasses and a baseball hat. Walk up to the backstage entrance and go, where do you want this? I don't know. I'm supposed to take it to talent mm-hmm. catering. Where do you want these? They need these buns right away, pal. My ass is on the line here. It's going to be your ass, too, if I don't get through here and get these buns while they're fresh. Uh, the uns- they're seeded. Just- uh, the the <laughs> sesame seed uh, buns. No, I can't take them back. I have, somebody's got a sign for this. That's how you get your autograph, see? Um, all right, Sean. You got to meet ZZ Top in an unconventional way. Well, actually, it was what? Uh, Billy Gibbons? Billy Gibbons. All right, what did you do? 
Well, I used to ride bulls professionally, and he was at a rodeo that I was at, and I didn't make my ride that night, so they went, they kind of did your whole announcement deal, they said, we have a special guest in the house, they shine over, and it's Billy Gibbons, and he's sitting next to my wife in the stands. (laughs) Well, I get done riding, I go change my clothes, I go back up, and I'm going to sit next to my wife. Well, Billy Gibbons starts talking to me, introducing himself. He's telling me how cool I am because I ride bulls for a living. Yeah! I'm, I'm starstruck because it's Billy Gibbons. <laughs> Who should I make this out to, Mr. Yeah. Gabon, is it? Oh, Gibbons, Gibbons. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, we had like a... Uh, like a half hour, forty five minute conversation. Yeah. About how cool I was because I rodeoed for a living, and I'm over here talking talking to him about you know being part of ZZ Top. My wife has no clue what's going on. And you're telling him you know you got to hang on for eight seconds, and he goes uh huh huh huh. Right? Yeah. Did he have so? Did he have the sunglasses on? Did he? I mean. It's it's kind of hard to be incognito. If I mean, the beard really, yeah. is a dead giveaway. You just no, because they they announced it. They had a spotlight and everything on him when he when he sat down and we went through the rider announcements like you see on TV. Uh huh. And then they're you know we have they're like we have a special guest in the house and they sign over with a spotlight <laughs> and they're like we'd like to introduce Billy Gibbons. What? How come he sat down next to your wife? What? How did that happen? That was where the, uh, like, the non-public crowd was. Oh. There's the rider's wife. All the, right, so you were a participant in the event. The You're a participant in the event, so that's where family members would go and, and special people. Yeah. I, I, I don't we know how. I, Canton, Ohio. Okay. Canton, Ohio. I don't know how long ago this was, but uh, did, did he hear that uh, your wife needed you, he needed to give your wife an eight minute eight second ride? Or <laughs> right? Yeah. You know, I, I probably I probably would have let that happen. I'm just no! saying. And then later on in the night, they announced it again. Welcome to Billy Gibbons. He's sitting next to Sean, who didn't complete right. his ride. <laughs> it's yeah. all right, Sean. Billy so... completed the ride for you, my man. <laughs> Right. Oh, uh, yeah, that was uh, probably one of the coolest things I've ever like to have Billy Gibbons tell you know be like, oh, you're so cool, blah blah blah. Yeah. Because I'm like, no, you're Billy Gibbons, man. man yeah, shut up about me. Let's talk about you, bro. That's awesome. Hey, we appreciate right? the yeah. call. Have a great weekend. Thank you. I'll see you, man. All right, thanks. All right, see you. You didn't use the trick of a backstage pass or a dopey DJ to sneak you in. Um, all right, so Russ, this clearly applies to you, right? Yes, sir. What happened? How you guys doing? Good. What happened? Um, this this is like 15 years ago. I was uh, I went took the kids down to uh, JLD when it was still JLD. Yeah, and the uh, baseball stadium. Hootie and the Blowfish were down there playing. And I says, "Hey, let's take the dogs for a walk." And we're just walking around the stadium, listening to them. And uh, we're towards the back of the stadium by the river, and uh, you know where the band takes a break before their encore. Yeah, and then goes back to the stage. Well, we're by we're behind the stadium walking the dogs, and I had two uh, chocolate labs, and uh, we're behind the stadium, and all of a sudden this gate opens up, and here comes Hootie and the Blowfish taking a break before their encore, and uh, they ran literally right into me. I was right by the wall when the gate opened, and I'm like, wow, it's Hootie and the Blowfish. Look, kids, it's Hootie and the Blowfish, and uh, 
the drummer, he looked over at me and he says, oh, you got labs. I said, yeah, I do. I, I use them for pheasant hunting. He goes, yeah, I got a couple back in, in my home in England. And uh, he's sitting there petting my labs. And uh, I go, hey, uh, Darius Rutgers, how you doing? And he's like, oh, I'm doing good. And uh, next thing I know, uh, Jessica, my daughter, she hands me a notepad. And says, Dad, get their autographs. And I hey, guys, can I get your autographs? And the drummer goes, yeah, we can do that. And uh, so they're signing all. They're signing this piece of paper. I'm getting their autographs. we got to make this quick. The crowd is getting restless. They're, they're waiting for our encore. But who should I make this out to? <laughs> right. <laughs> so Darius Rutgers, he goes to sign the paper, and he goes, yeah, I'll give you my autograph, but get those dogs back. I, I, I don't like dogs. Oh. Here, take the dogs so I can get there. So he was afraid of my dogs. And uh, while the drummer, he's he's sitting there petting them. Darius Rutgers wants me to back off with the dogs. And uh, I looked over by the Centennial Bridge, and there's their tour bus, and there's a bunch of groupies over there yelling and screaming, trying to get their attention. And I'm just sitting here hanging out with the guys, getting their autograph with the dogs. And quit yelling. He doesn't like dogs or loud people. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Russ. Thanks for the call, man. Uh, let's go to George. Hi, George. Hello. Yeah. This is uh, I got to meet uh, George H. W. Bush when I was in the Navy. Because my name is George Bush. What? We are, ladies and gentlemen, we are speaking to George, George Bush. Bush. It's an honor, sir. <laughs> I hope you're standing attention. Yeah, absolutely, I am. Um, so, what did he? <laughs> what did he say to you? Well, it's pretty crazy, huh? You get kids. Is it hard to order a pizza when they say, "Who is this for?" Uh, uh, George Bush. They're like, "Don't give me that." You prank callers, man. It's exactly, it's exactly what happened. But really? yeah, I was in the Navy in uh, South Texas, and he uh, he was friends with uh, the uh, his name was King. He had a, he owns pretty much part of South Texas. Right. They were friends, and he his plane landed on our base, Beville, Texas, Chase Field, and uh, I he would come into the hangar, and uh, I was taking one of the security guys to get something to eat, and everybody's hollering my name, and they thought it was funny, <laughs> and uh, he's like, "Would you like to meet him?" And I'm like. Uh, yeah. yeah, sure. So he he, uh, he took me up and introduced me. He said, this is George Bush. This is George Bush. And he just smiled from ear to ear. And he kind of, uh, George, look, George, the vice president, he looks at me, and he's like, okay, and hands me an ink pen and walks off. And he shakes my hand and walks off. What's, it, what did, what's on the pen? Does it say vice president of the U.S. or what? Yeah, it said uh, vice president. It was a cool ink pit my grandma had the next time I went home. But, right. yeah, it was That's pretty, awesome. Uh, That's a great story. I got to meet George Bush because, because. my name is George Bush. Hmm. Yeah. Thanks for yeah. serving, Thanks man. Thanks for Appreciate your service. It. Thanks, dude. Thanks, guys. All right, have a good day. Uh, I got a real quick great one here. All right. Great one. Long story short, I was working at the arena, and I got to meet Johnny Van Zandt. Yeah, but, okay, not... <laughs> The, the how we don't care the who the how is more interesting <laughs> hey you guys i had uh, an experience like this i was in iowa city just got done watching a hawkeyes game so i go over to Chipotle. sure as i'm in there ordering who walks in behind me cj bethard and george kittle oh wow shook their hands got some autographs it was their senior year before they got drafted super cool guys yes but what did they order well, if it's after a game, my bet is everything. Right, but did they get you know the dollar eighty seven extra guac on it? Uh, yeah, go ahead, hit me with the guac. Did they use the clear cup and put you know Coke in it? Right. Because <laughs> other college kids trying to save a little money. Indeed. 
you got backstage in an unconventional way. Uh, Brandon. Whoops. Yep, I'm here. All right. How did you get backstage, and what's the situation? Well, I was the one who left the message about Ronnie Van Zant, or not Ronnie Johnny. Johnny Van Zant. Oh yeah. All right. So what happened? Yeah. How did you get to meet him? Um, I was working the concert as a bar runner. A bar runner. And I, yeah. What the bar runner does is takes all the alcohol up to the bars. Okay. Oh, and all keeps right. Them supplied throughout the night, so everybody stays happy. Okay. Well, I come out of the office. And there's a guy standing there in the hallway. And he asked me if there was a microwave back there in the kitchen. I was like, I'm not 100% sure. If there is, I can go in there and check if you want me to. So I went in there and checked. No microwave. Told him where he could find one. And he asked if he had to walk through a crowd of people. I was like, well, you might have to. I couldn't tell you if you will or not because I don't know if the doors are open. And he goes, ah, I ain't worried about it. I'll just drink it cold. So what has he got? What has he got? Uh, like coffee? Yeah, he had oh, a coffee oh. in his hand and wanted it warmed up. Oh, oh all right. Okay. He wanted his coffee. So he and, could drink a hot coffee. And you didn't so realize it was Johnny Van Zandt at the time? No, I was like 18. Okay. I don't know, hippie boy. Uh, there's I a like microwave at Best Buy if you don't like how we do it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, uh, I don't like. I mean, I like their music, but I didn't know who they were because I've never seen them. Okay, so he asks. Uh, he says, "Never mind, I'll drink it cold." But then, did you tell him, "No, no, no, I'll take care of it for you"? Yeah, I offered to warm it up for him. Took it down the hall, warmed it up for him, brought it back, and he was gone. I was like, "Well, where the heck did this guy go?" So I poked my head into the dressing room that he came out of, and I was like, "Hey, I just warmed up somebody's coffee." <laughs> He goes, yeah, 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 that was mine. You can come in here and hang out with us for a little bit if you want. So I went in there, and I'm sitting there just talking to him. And then did he go, man, this is the best cup of coffee I've ever had. And it's the right temperature, finally. What's your name, kid? (laughs) No, that didn't happen. We just sat there and talked for a little bit, and it was pretty cool because I didn't realize who I was sitting there talking to until uh, I saw them coming out of the dressing room because they were giving away a guitar that night. Okay. And I saw them all coming out, and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> uh, what type of coffee was it? I have no idea. I just warmed it up for them. Okay, that's okay. Mm-hmm. All right, there's a nice way to say that. You don't got to give me all kinds of attitude. Mm-hmm. I know that you're the best microwaver <laughs> to the stars. Mm-hmm. I got it, Brandon. <laughs> I wish I was. You are! You got Johnny Van Zandt I wouldn't says. be working at AutoZone if I was. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, do you sell flashlights? Because I hear that's a great way uh-huh. to meet C.C. DeVille. Yeah. And he wears a yeah, wig. Yeah, I heard that story, too. That's awesome. <laughs> he wears a wig! No! See, Brandon, this is why you're the best coffee maker to the stars, because you don't go and blab about, you know, what kind of wig does Johnny Van Zant wear and what size shoes does he have or any of that nonsense. You're very, very discreet. You did the coffee, the microwave, and you presented it to him, and that was it. Yep, that was pretty much it. All right, brother. <laughs> Thanks for the call. Have a good week, yeah. all right? <laughs> yep, you too. All right, see ya. Coffee warmer up to the stars. Opie. You got to meet somebody famous in an unconventional way, right? Yep. What happened? I was uh, I was able to meet some WWE superstars when I was about 14 years old. Uh-oh. How did you do that? I worked at the Sheridan Inn up in Cedar Rapids, and they were at the Five Seasons Center that evening. Okay. And it got really busy, so I had to go help room service. 
and I took a pizza up to the top floor, uh-huh. knocked on the door, and Jim the Anvil Nightheart and Brett Hart were standing in front of me. <laughs> and the door next to them thought I was knocking on their door when I hollered room service. Right. And Hulk, and Hulk Hogan and the Ultimate Warrior were standing in that doorway. <laughs> and... I could smell the marijuana coming out of the No, that wasn't the kind of drugs they, they used. Oh, no, man. <laughs> you got us all wrong. You could smell steroids. Come on, don't spread rumors. They shut the door, and, and I stood there and talked to Bret Hart and Jim for probably 10, 15 minutes. And all right, what kind of, what did they have on their pizza? Let's go. What was it? It was a Supreme. A I Supreme. remember it like it was yesterday. Of course, a Supreme, a Supreme yes. man. <laughs> That's a great and story. They, and Jim, yeah? Jim took a bite of it. To make sure it was fresh and not cold, and he and then he tipped you. You know that's the bad part about the story is he didn't. Oh no! All of his money went to go buy Hulk Hogan some pot. <laughs> he didn't yeah, have an extra probably. dime. <laughs> Had yep. they tipped you, that part of the story would have been left out. So all you famous people, when you look to the little people to bring you a pizza or a flashlight or or uh, whatever it may be, tip them. Otherwise, they're going to talk about the wig that you wear, the kind of hooch that you're smoking. <laughs> All right, brother. Yep. Uh, and I also got to serve uh, Bo Schimbeckler his steak dinner cool. in the in the banquet room when okay. they were in town to play the Hawkeyes. Okay, and uh, did you spit on his steak? What kind of pot was he smoking? <laughs> got a lot of nah, questions. He, just, he was uh, getting ready to say prayer, so we served him up and we exited left. All right. Now, and I heard at the table next to him, hey, brother, I didn't order steak. <laughs> well, you know, the funny thing about it is, is I go to Tampa, and I'm or in Clearwater, Florida. Hulk Hogan has a store. Yeah. And I, and I go in there every day we're down there to see if I could catch him so I could remind him that I was 14 years old and smelled what was floating out of his doorway. He was residing at the Sheridan Inn for one night. Okay, now, Opie, don't don't take this the wrong way. I don't know that he'll remember because he was smoking so much pot at the time. So just, I want you, I want you to be prepared, okay? Oh, I, I'm definitely going to bring it up to him if I ever get to see him. All right, okay. Let us know. I want to hear the story. I want to hear how it goes, okay? All right, guys. All right, my man. Thank you for calling. Have a good day. Yep, have a good day. See you. I like how we get the hearts. And then we hear about Hulk, and then he's like, oh, and Bo Schembechler. <laughs> I can listen, listen to Opie all day. Yeah. <laughs> Very discreet, except for the parts that he's not. <laughs> it's outstanding. <sighs> all right, we got to take one more break and get caught up here. 888-896-3675, dorks at twodorks.com. Who did you meet in an unconventional way? It's not so much the who that we're interested in. But, man, if you're selling a flashlight to C.C. DeVille's guitar tech and he brings you backstage while C.C. is, is adjusting his wig, <laughs> that's, I want to hear all about that. That's a once-in-a-lifetime moment. I microwaved Ronnie Van Zant's coffee, and he's, <laughs> damn, that's a good cup of coffee. I could drink this to the, to the last drop. Mm-hmm. Sit down here. Let's talk. Hey, brother, I'm trying to get high in here. You met the guys from ZZ Top? Because you got thrown off of a bull? <laughs> because you you met Gene Simmons because you got crushed and pushed up against the barrier at a kiss show? Passed out and had to be brought backstage to be revived? At his makeup mirror? <laughs> 
All right, let's go uh, to Steve. You're up next. Hey, Steve. hey, good morning. I ran into John Madden unexpectedly at a football game. Well, wouldn't you have expected to see him there? Well, uh, early 80s, St. Louis Cardinals played in Bush Stadium football. Uh, and they were playing the Dallas Cowboys. And, of course, across the way with binoculars, we could see John Madden, Pat Summerall calling the game. And so we watched the whole game. And then as we left that day, uh, out in the hall somewhere, come around a corner. Um, I'm about six foot one, and I found out John Madden's probably six foot four. And we both come around the corner, met belly to belly, and at the same time, he had a big stogie in his mouth, and it missed my eyeball by about one inch. Oh, did he apologize? And I said, oh, 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 sorry. And he goes, yeah, sorry, sorry, sorry. And he kept going, you know. <laughs> And uh, four of us guys stood there, you know, took one of them 15-second deals where we couldn't even say his name. But, but, but that was John Madden. <laughs> and I've always, I've always thought if he took my eyeball out with that stogie, I could really say that this story was totally true. Right. No, nobody believes you. But I tell you what, Steve, we believe you. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. And well, you, you have your eyesight in both eyes because of it. Hey, uh, how's it going there? Good. It's this. This is John. Yeah, there you go. I- I, I didn't know that somebody I, didn't, I didn't know that John Madden was six feet four. I had no idea. Well, I after I seen where the stogie landed, uh, I figured that's about what it was when it was right there at my eye. There All you right. go. That's perfect. All right, brother. Thanks yeah. for the call, man. All right. So let's go to uh, Tony. Hi, Tony. Hey, guys, I ran into Mark Hamill at a Comic-Con down in Texas. Okay. And when I say ran into, I literally ran into him. Uh, you know, they when we were down there, they have, uh, you know, they have all the celebrities come out, have their own little tables or little areas, but then they have to go and do the panels. Well, after I had gotten done at one of the tables for Jason David Frank, I was on my way to the Killing Joke panel because this was back in 16 when the Killing Joke came out. Okay. And I was running late, and there was a guy with just a crowd around him. I didn't know who he was. I didn't care. I was late, and I wanted to make sure I was at this panel because, you know, I've been reading Batman since I was, like, three years old. And I bumped (laughs) into him. I told him to watch it, and a bunch of people, all of a sudden, you heard, like, this sharp intake of breath. I turn around, and Hamill's standing right there. So, wait, you crash into Mark Hamill. You go, hey, man, watch it. I'm late for the Batman panel. Basically, yeah. And I turned around, and you want to talk about immediately apologizing, getting starstruck, and feeling about three inches tall. Yeah, I've actually ran into Mark Hamill and told him to watch out for me. <laughs> and, and did Mark Hamill go, "Hey, man, I'm sorry. I don't. I don't want to. You know, I'll be. I'll be more careful next time." And then did you say you'll be dead? Yes, just like in Star Wars. Yeah, I was. I warned him about losing another hand, but no, we uh, <laughs> we. Uh, we, I apologized. He said it was okay and uh, laughed for a few minutes, expo- you know, told him how much I love his work as the Joker and, of course, I'm a big Star Wars fan. And <laughs> and, luckily, his uh, security didn't, you know, beat me down into a pulp. <laughs> and are you saying this as you're, like, still walking down the hall away from him because you want to get to the Killing Joke panel? Yeah, okay, great. No, you're awesome. I, I love you, man. I got to go. Got to go. Got to go. <laughs> No, no, it was it was a moment of standing still and feeling really stupid. Yes. All right. Celebrities do that to you. Thanks for the call. We appreciate That's it. Awesome. Have a good weekend. Uh, all right, Goose, which one should I go with line one or line three? Should I keep going right in order? Uh, go ahead. All right. Uh, 
Dennis. Yeah. What happened? I hung out with Mr. T. With Mr. T. Mr. T in Rock Island at Jim's Rib Haven. <laughs> okay. So what were the, what I was, was fighting the... in the Tough Man Contest in the Quad Cities. I won the Iowa one, and I was fighting to be for that Illinois one. And All they right. wouldn't let me fight because I won the Iowa one. Mr. T was yelling at them, telling them to let me fight. Let the man fight. Let the man fight. They wouldn't let me fight. So he sat down next to him. Uh, I sat next down to him on the boxing ring. And he asked if there was a good place to get barbecue. I said, right down the street, Jim's Rib Haven. He said, follow me. We got into his limousine. It was a big purple limousine with white fuzzy dye. Take him from the rearview mirror. <laughs> okay, who bought? Did you or did he buy? He bought. Oh let the man God. fight. Let the man fight. I, I pity the fool that don't let the, yep. let the Let the man fight. Hey, woman. He we're going to go to the ribs with a real man. Oh. He let me take the, my, the ribs that he had left over. I took home to my Rottweiler. Oh, that's so sweet. That's very touching. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's funny. You're, there's a dog on line four well, that wants to tell a story about having Mr. T's leftovers. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> oh my, that's great. My buddy, he wouldn't, he wouldn't, he did not believe me one bit. So the really? next night, I took him to the, the Tough Man contest. Yeah. We went to the back doors of the mark. I shoot the guys off of the purple limousine. They're like, "Oh, sorry, sir, sorry, sir." I was like, "Don't scratch the limo." And he's like, "You're gonna get us busted." <laughs> <laughs> so we, <laughs> we went down right down the boxing ring. And there's Mr. T talking to two hot chicks. So I grabbed his shoulder and I spun him around. And I said, "Hey, T, this is my main man, Jerry." And Jerry was just standing there, just like he, he was starstruck and he was scared, like he was gonna get beat up. And Mr. T looked at us like, "Why are you interrupting my?" My conversation with these two hot girls. Right. The, rib, the, the barbecue rib dinner is over. I'm moving right. out of the yeah. ladies now. <laughs> All right, Dennis. Thanks for the call, man. That's awesome. That's awesome. Uh, okay, let's go to Ernie. Uh, this one. Ernie, you met a, yes, You got backstage. This is how it started. But you met somebody famous in an unconventional way. Yes, I did. I met um, Steven Tyler at a drug rehab in Tucson, Arizona. Yeah. Wait, wait, you can't say that. <laughs> what about the, you know, the, no. you swore to secrecy. <laughs> well, he changed his name. His name's not really Ernie. You're ruining so, it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, what was, uh, he addic- was really... what was he addicted to? Oh, I don't know. We were we were working out there. We were building this place, and then we were at lunch or whatever, and there goes Steven. And me and my buddy go, hey, Steven Tyler. So we went over there, we yelled his name, and he turned around and looked at us and said, I'd love to talk to you guys, but I'll get in trouble. You'll get in trouble. Rock on. And we go, yeah. We were all happy. <laughs> Hey, okay. while well, I got cool. you here, do you got any smoke or anything? <laughs> oh, my God. And no, I just no, read no. that on the screen. It says, he met Steven Tyler in drug rehab. Yeah, like, we thought yeah. maybe you were both yeah. in drug rehab. Okay, I'm not really so, supposed to talk no, about no, this. No, right, no. So I was building this so they could have somewhere to go. All right. And you know what? It must not have worked out because he's been in drug rehab about four <laughs> times since then. Yeah, you did a lousy job. I think I got man. him early in his career. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So who else was there rehabbing? Oh, I don't know. I mean, we weren't. We were doing good. No. We were still partying on, yeah, but we hadn't got in trouble. Yeah, we, <laughs> I got a grip on my stuff, man. <laughs> All right, Ernie, if that's your name. All right, guys, thanks a lot. All right, have a good weekend. Yeah, for sure. That's awesome. <laughs> the way Goose, t- he met Steven Tyler at drug rehab. That's outstanding. Triple eight eight nine six thirty six seventy five dorks at two dorks dot com. You can also message us from whatever app you listen to. Uh, listen to us on Dear Dorks. Met Eric Estrada when I worked at the airport for United. He was a good guy. 
his seat in first class was broken. So we had to bump him to coach. Oh, he took it in stride. And we credited his account with a few extra upgrades. <laughs> you know, if I was sitting in first class and my seat was broken, I wouldn't say anything for fear that I'd get bumped to coach. Yeah. I don't care. I'll sit sideways. It doesn't matter to me. I'm in first class, baby. Keep it all coming. Um, which one did you say was good? Megan, did you say the Justin Bieber one was good? Yes, someone said that their grandma called Justin Bieber a little S-word. Back when the Biebs was in town, he was messing around in a store. I think it was Kmart. He was riding a bicycle, then jumped off and jumped on a scooter, some other stuff. He almost ran over my grandma with the bike. She called him, watch it. She said, watch it, you little S-head. My mom also met Sean Kingston. Had no idea who he was. Thought it was the security guard. <laughs> Her mom also called Sean Kingston a little S-head. Um, Dear dorks, I met Mike Tyson in a club bathroom in Vegas. Yeah, we've had a couple of good peeing next two stories. There was a Tommy Chong one that came in that I forgot to read. But this is, okay, back to Mike Tyson. Celebrity whiz with greatness. <laughs> That's a whole other topic. This was the mid-2000s, right around the time The Hangover came out. So Mike's fame in Vegas was very, very high. Let me make sure I'm reading that right, because I know something's very, very high. Yes. Mike's fame. That's what it was. Anyway, I'm at this after-hours club, and it's like 4 o'clock in the morning. I have to use the bathroom. I walk in. There's like three NFL lineman-sized guys around the entrance of the bathroom. looked like they were guarding it. So I walk up, and they say something like, you're good. And I'm thinking, good for what? I walk in. There's the champ midstream at a urinal. And I yell, Iron Mike, how you doing? It's good. It's good. I'm trying to finish up here. He says, man, I'm just trying to chill, man. Just trying to chill. Looks like you're peeing, not chilling, champ. <laughs> uh, he shook it off and apparently thought our table at the club was better than his. Uh, so we got moved to another table so the champ could then be moved to ours. <laughs> and he shook it off, he said. Yeah, well, he shook off the... Oh, the... the I, you know, it's hard to know. Okay. There's some shaking. You shake it more than once you're playing with it. For the shake. Brett, good morning. Hey, good morning. All right. You met a celebrity in an unconventional way. Yeah, sure did. Um, did you All want right, to tell us about it? <laughs> Have a good weekend. <laughs> Go ahead. Tell us your story. So, uh, yeah, cousin, my cousin's friend from Dallas, Texas, wanted to move up here to Illinois. And so uh, they got me a plane ticket to fly down there. And they uh, he said, well, for the last night, we're going to go to the comedy club friend of his managed it and okay we still don't know who this person is what's that we still don't know who this person is that you met the celebrity oh ron white oh you forgot to, so, to tell us who okay so uh, what you got <laughs> and what did you do with ron white so anyways yeah we went to the comedy club it's right before the blue collar comedy tour started yeah. so it was i would guess probably uh, 95, something like that. Okay. 1995. And, uh, he was the main character that night. And we, uh, after the show was over, we stayed stuck around and helped put up chairs, vacuum and everything. And at the end of the night, we 
put a big circle of chairs around right in the middle of the comedy club, and they uh, started passing around a doobie. <laughs> a doobie. And so I, uh, mm-hmm. I got high with Ron White. I could see why you forgot to mention to us that it was Ron White. Um, this isn't your <laughs> first time passing around a doobie with people, is it? No, well, actually it was, and I uh, didn't take it very well, and I uh, got pretty high, laid down in the middle of the, in the circle, and he's sitting there busting jokes about me all night. <laughs> hey, Brett, is is this still go, is this going on right now? Could you hand the phone to Ron? Because I think you're still high, brother. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. No, that was, uh, that was a long time ago. <laughs> all right, my man. Thanks for the call. That's why they call yeah, it. That's why they call it giggle weed. Uh, here is Rick. Go ahead, man. Hey, how you guys doing today? Uh, we're doing great. Thanks for calling. All right, great. Well, hey, my wife and I were uh, Julie were living in Detroit. We met some people. Went to the opening night Pistons game. Uh, afterwards, we were downtown uh, in Greektown partying at a little bar called the Old Shillelagh, and look over at uh, the pinball machine and my wife goes, Who's, that looks like somebody. And I go, well, I think it's Robert Plant. And uh, he was standing there playing pinball. He had a concert that night in town. Wait a minute, Robert Plant was playing pinball? He was playing pinball in the old shillelagh in Detroit. We look, and he's got like a little, like a military looking kind of jacket with the tassels on the sleeves. And I go, whoa, well, I know Robert Plant was in town and she walks over and says uh, something about, I can't remember, it was, are you Rob, Rob, Robert Plant or are you Robert Plant or something? And he puts his finger up to his lips and says, shh, I'm playing pinball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't best me, you know, I'm right, I'm just about at multi-ball. Are you new? I'm playing pinball, love. Do you remember what machine it was? Yeah, what game was it? Uh, uh, that I don't remember. And then uh, he got done, he walked over to the bar where we were standing and, uh, she asked him if he could, she could buy him a drink, and I'm pretty sure he ordered a, uh, um, oh, shit, what did he order? Uh, he ordered some beer, and uh, anyway, he handed it directly to his roadie. Uh, <laughs> wait, wait a minute, that's not the way this works. Can I buy you a drink? Not can I buy your roadie a drink. Shh, my roadie's thirsty. <laughs> he just got beaten pinball. Uh, all right, brother. That's a great story. Thanks for the call, man.